All right, and welcome to the second episode of the IMDb Top 250 podcast. I have here my buddy Greg Papa, and we are doing the first Godfather movie. We'll be doing both of them, but uh, start with the first one here. Uh, when did you first see this movie? Because I, I was pretty late to the party, but when did you see it? Godfather saga. Yeah. Yeah, the saga, yeah, yeah. So like that had just I don't know if that had just come out or they were playing it on T V, but I remember walking past and like all these people were talking and speaking in Italian and it was like my dad, my uncle, my, my grandfather who barely spoke any English, um, and uh, my dad's cousin, like all these people were like over at the house to watch the Godfather. So I sat and watched it then and it was like assuming they had the Godfather 3 in that one as well? Um, I don't know if they included that. I, I, maybe they did. Maybe I might have to look that up. Uh, Actually, no, because each movie's about three hours, so it, yeah. it would make sense if it's only one and two. Oh, so the saga came out, and it was actually released in 77, but I remember it being on TV very, very vividly. Yeah, I remember seeing that Spike TV back in the day. I don't even think it's called that anymore. I think it's called something else. Um, yeah, it's uh, Paramount now, Paramount Network. Oh, shit. That's right. Um, yeah. These channel names are changing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember, I, I think I first saw on the TV guy, it said the Godfather saga, and I was just like, what's this? this and then I looked it up, and I was like, oh, okay. But um, I was I was super late to the party, so I started I started going on IMDb like around 2002, 2003, and um, that's like where like I read up on a lot of different movies. Uh, first came familiar with the top 250 um, list, and I saw that they had The Godfather at number one. I mean, now it's different. They have the Shawshank Redemption there, and yeah. Godfather's two, then The Godfather part two is three, but back then, I believe it was the first Godfather at one, then The Godfather part two was number two, and then it was Shawshank, so yeah. it actually changed. But um, I, I don't know, well, like... My dad influenced like a lot of the movies I watched growing up, 
and um, I know he likes the movie. He never it, it wasn't one he ever showed me though. I mean, maybe it's because we're we're Irish. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but um, maybe I was gonna say that it's kind of like a thing, like for Italian people, this is like a very Italian movie. So we just kind of like love the hell out of it, no matter what. Yeah, it's like essential viewing, pretty much. Um, yeah. But, so my dad, he'd watch a lot of stupid movies. Like, he likes stupid comedies. So, when I was, like, around 9, 10, whatever, um, he had this movie on, and it was just so weird. I, had, It was making fun of, like, Jaws and Jurassic Park. Um, okay. But I, I wasn't, like, sure, like, what it was really spoofing, but it was, like, a mob movie. The movie was called Mafia. It's it's from the late '90s. It's from one of the directors of Airplane, and it's it's basically a spoof of all the mob movies, like Godfather, I Godfather think I've One. Seen that one. Yeah. That's, uh, that, that's uh, there's there's a part in that there's a part in that which my brother and I quote all the time still, where uh, some I don't even remember what happened, but the guy goes, "You bastarducci." And it's just like the most overly stupid Italian thing of all time. It's, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of like um, a lot of just dumb gags in it, but some of them are just so funny and random. And, yeah. And when I saw, it, I didn't get like most of the the things it was spoofing at the time. Um, but when I ended up watching The Godfather later, like. I was like, "Oh, this is what that was making fun of." I see. Yeah, it's pretty funny. And then I, um, I don't know. I d- I just kind of like held off watching it for a while. Like even though I was so into like movies, uh, I don't know. Let's... You didn't even see on TV the million times that they play it. Yeah. So I, when I was eighteen, I I DVR'd the movie on AMC, so I watched the TV version before I saw the real version, which is, I think, probably a sin, but, um, yeah, <laughs> I ended up watching it, and, uh, yeah, I really liked it, and, um, then when I decided to do this podcast, I was like, okay, I, I need to, like, actually watch it uncut. I think I was like sa- saving it for a special occasion, and then just like not really knowing what it was gonna be. And um, yeah, it's also like something I wanted to just really watch and um, focus on during one sitting. So finally did it, and holy fuck, yeah, it's it's so it's so good. It it still holds up today, and I think. Yeah. One thing that really helped it was that um, the source materials from a book. So um, I think if uh, I think it was Mario Puzo who uh, yeah. who wrote the book. I think if he was asked to write The Godfather as a screenplay, it it might not have been as fleshed out like all the characters. But but since it was a book. You know, you really have to flesh out each character. There's so much attention to detail, and um, I'm not, I'm not sure how long the book is. I'm assuming it's pretty long, but it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty expensive, and they do uh, a lot of the um, 
I've read I've read the book, so uh, I they do some of the stuff where they go back into Italy. They time jump. I, I believe that's in the, in the same book. Um, one thing I know from the book, there's there's a shot in the movie where you see um, Sonny's wife, and she's making like this gesture of like a like a big dick. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in the book, Mario Puzo has like a full like two pages dedicated to describing Sonny's <laughs> giant dick. <laughs> and yeah. I, like, his wife doesn't mind that he goes and sleeps with these other women because it's like too painful for them to have sex and stuff like that. Like, it's like it's it's pretty graphic and and totally not necessary, but uh. Uh, it's, it's a funny part in the, in the early part of that book. Yeah, I read that because <laughs> when I was doing research for this, I found a Reddit post like, yeah, uh, in the book they talk about uh, this for about 70 pages <laughs> about how the, the girl had to get like – like surgery because yeah. it damaged her ovaries so much. Oh my god! I don't think Mario Puzo had like a great like you know mind for how the female anatomy actually works, but um, <laughs> it's, it's extensive. Like it's worth just going back and reading that because it's like you know it really is just like interesting kind of uh, novel porn in a way. He like describes his veins and stuff like that. It's like, what is going on, Mario? <laughs> and then I guess it, there's a whole segment on it, and they they just I, she ends up marrying the surgeon who um, who fixes her, and um, <laughs> and then that's it. They never talk about it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to the killings. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> So funny. I, I, I do really want to read the book now, especially after hearing that. I don't know if, yeah. how much I'll enjoy. The book is really good. Like, it's worth, definitely worth reading. It's just that, like, in there, you're like, why is this here? <laughs> the, uh, in the book, the, um, the singer, I forget what his name is, but the guy who comes Oh, Johnny? In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he has a lot of of a bigger story arc. He's kind of more of a uh, more of a Frank Sinatra kind of person where he's a singer and an actor and um, he's just like this washed up heartbreaker in uh, in the book and he's got like a whole arc that's, that could honestly be a book in, in itself. Um, it doesn't really tie into the East Coast that much but uh, uh, it is, it, those parts are actually pretty good. Yeah, that because I I've read about his character a little more, and I I don't think they talk about it too much in the movie. I don't even know. I don't even recall if they reference it. But he had he married like his high school sweetheart, and then when he he became a singer or whatever, and then he got the the big Hollywood role, and then I guess he yeah. ended up marrying an actress or whatever, and this pissed off uh, Vito. Because it's almost like he was betraying his family because he had kids with his first wife, whatever. And I, I, I think it just helps a lot that that the book's long because they had to condense so much into one movie. But uh, they, they, 
I gotta say, it, it can be tough to do that, but they did a pretty good job including, like, the important stuff and keeping the story moving. Um, yeah, it's... It really holds up. It's, I mean, a lot of older movies can be pretty slow-paced, whatever, but this, this goes pretty quick when you're watching it. Yeah, I think um, part of that has to do with... Uh all like pretty much all the actors more come from the uh, Brando style of acting, where it's more realistic, and that's what Coppola is going for. So it's a, it's it's way more modern than even a few movies that came like a few years of movies that came after it, because all these all these actors came from the same school. They didn't have that like really presentational kind of acting. They were more like here is, you know, this is the character and that's who it is, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, that It was like around a movement kind of in the 1950s. I think James Dean kind of started it where, yeah. you know, they, they, they come more, uh, they talk more like humans, you know, that, that right. would in real life. Like they'll stutter here and there. You wouldn't really see that with uh, some of the other guys. Um and yeah, Pacino definitely influenced by that. Um, kind of interesting. They had uh, one of the uh, one of the older Hollywood actors, Sterling Hayden, as uh, Captain McCluskey. And, oh yeah, um, he was he was a cop. But uh, I I don't think too many actors were able to really transition into uh, the new Hollywood era. Like uh, older actors had they had a tough time transitioning into. Uh, New Hollywood with the different acting styles. You know, they say New Hollywood was from like the late 60s up to the early 80s. So, um, yeah, this, w- this was towards the beginning of that era where like American directors were um, starting to, you know, make more uh, creative projects, stuff that's out of the norm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think guys like Cary Grant and and people like that struggled big time because while they're they are good actors, they they come from that old old school old Hollywood kind of um, vein where it's kind of like just enough to look good and get the lines out. I, I got the cast pulled up in front of me, and it's just it's so loaded with 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 great actors. It's it's crazy, like. Like, you kind of almost forget that Robert Duvall is in there. And Robert Duvall is, like, all the big-time actors say he's one of the greatest actors of all time. And you're like, oh, yeah, he is one of the greatest actors of all time, you know? And yeah. um, John Cazale, he's got a he's got this smaller Fredo part in it. He's got a bigger part in, in Godfather 2, obviously. But, you know, he was, he was destined to be one of the greatest actors of all time if he wouldn't have gotten sick, you know? Oh, my so, God. His resume... Is it, isn't it four movies, The Two Godfathers, Dog Day Afternoon, The Deer Hunter? There might have been one more, but... I, I, that's more like, let me say, Godfather, The Conversation, Godfather Part Conversation. Two, Dog Day Afternoon, and Deer Hunter. Like, he was just, all he could do was pick winners, you know? Oh, um, that's just such a shame what happened to him, so... Yeah. Uh, whoever did the casting for this movie, they just they knocked it out of the park across the board. They did. Uh, I I heard the studio wanted uh, Ernest Borgnine. 
<laughs> to be vetoed. <laughs> Oh my god, no. <laughs> Imagine that, that would have been horrifying. Mermaid man as a <laughs> veto. I like Ernest Borgnine, but <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't have anything Borgnine. Let's not get let's not get this get off track here on that, but but having Don Vito would be horrifying. Yeah, I, I guess they were worried. Because uh, Brando was starting to get a uh, little, little difficult to work with, I guess he, um, he would, uh, you know, cause delays in production and whatnot. Yeah, he never, he, he famously would never learn his lines, especially for this, and just show up. There's like pictures of like James Caan and Robert Duvall holding up his cue cards to have him read them. Um. So, and I think, like, I think the cat was his idea. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I think he might have found it or something. Yeah, and he was just kind of playing with it. Yeah, and he just kind of, like, hands it off, like, here, here's my cat, like, take this away from me now. <laughs> but Brando is a, is a genius, and you know, that's, that's a brilliant call by Coppola to, like, let him do that, you know? Like, Coppola's a pretty young director at this point, I think he was only in his early 30s-ish. Yeah, and, he uh, young. Yeah, to, to let these guys just kind of go and do their thing while having this giant production um, in, a, in a movie that the, the studio was pretty much forcing him to make because he was trying to get... Um, the studio said that you have to do this in order to get George Lucas to direct uh, Apocalypse Now. Oh, shit. And, Coppola, yeah, Coppola really wanted to do Apocalypse Now, but uh, he wanted George Lucas to do it. Um, oh, no kidding. Yeah, so the, so the studio more or less forced the, the Godfather on him, and he was just like, okay, and, and let me have total control over it. And so I, let him. I think I heard the studio really wanted an Italian director to do it because they, they yeah. looked at uh, gangster films in the past and saw that... Um, Films directed by Italians that did the gangster movies did better at the box office mm. for some reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, more authentic. Yeah, more authentic. Yeah, I guess he, I guess Coppola was like really unsure of how the movie was going as he was making it. It, it, um, like he was really worried that the studio was going to hate it. In fact, I, yeah. I, I think he was pretty skeptical about making the movie until he re he kind of looked at it as oh this isn't glorifying the mafia it's more of the corruption of the american dream here yeah a good way of putting it what um is there any particular actor like one of the supporting guys that you really liked a lot someone not as well known i uh Right off the bat, I really like the the guy who picked up with Michael with the cop. That uh Oh, Salazzo? Salazzo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it looks like his name the actor's name is uh Valentieri. Yes. Um he's really good. He's uh actually the same he's the yeah, no. no. Um, but he he's really good in it. Uh I like all their stuff where they're like speaking Italian with each other. Um, if you go to, he's, he's great in it as well. Um, oh, yeah. the, the, 
movie is is structured around their 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 pillar actors, you know, Brando and Pacino and and James uh, Caan and such. But like, the only way that the movie works and stands the test of time is having every single uh, other uh, character and actor to actually be really good. The movie would be really good if the other actors were okay. But the only reason it's great is because all the other actors are really, really good themselves and bring a lot to it. Um, Diane Keaton's really good as, as Kay. It's hard to pick the other ones because they're not quite featured as much, but they all are some, some of the best supporting cast you could possibly find. Yeah, and Talia Shire. That's, that's another another person that's uh, infamous for one. playing uh, Rocky's wife. Yeah, it, it, like we said, it's, it's totally stacked, top to bottom. One thing I always found interesting is Fredo, and the whole family dynamic with him. John Cazale is such a good actor. And he really brings that character to life. I feel like they could have made it like kind of could have made him more dopey, like like dumb, whatever. But it's pretty subtle the way they do it. For instance, when Fredo gets uh, his dad's car because uh, Polly, the normal driver, called out sick. Yeah. He said he says uh, <laughs> like, hey. You know, lay off Polly, Dad. He's a good kid. And that kind of, it, it's a quick line, but it kind of says a lot about him as a leader. Because the guy calls out yeah. sick, and right away he he just gives him, like, the benefit of the doubt. Like, ah, oh, he's all right. He's a good kid. Yeah, Fredo's just kind of like a, a nice guy who's in this super rough family. He's just not, he's just not built for it. Yeah, you know? he, f- he fiddles with the gun, like, right when they shoot his dad. Yeah. Completely yeah, drops and, it. And he's there crying. He doesn't even have, like, a like a reaction. Like, the way Michael handles uh, them coming to, to finish the job later, Michael's totally cool. He knows exactly what to do. He gets his dad moved into a different room, and then he poses out front. Like, he's, he's calculated. He knows what's going on. Fredo is just kind of... You know, he's just a, a mess. He's a puddle on the floor, you know. So, uh, they they made that dynamic perfectly, you know. And then Sonny's the complete opposite. He's just, he's just like, let's go, let's mash. Um, yeah, he's a hothead. I guess, I guess Michael's kind of like right in the middle. Like, he can be brutal, obviously, but uh, he's also brutal in a tactical way. Yeah. His moves are very calculated. Yeah, I kept think I I'd watch certain scenes in the movie and think, oh, what would Fredo do in this situation? Vito tells uh, Michael that like, oh, whoever arranges the meeting with Barzini is gonna be the guy that's gonna assassinate you, and then they they have uh, Vito's funeral scene, and it's Tessio that goes up to Michael and um, and arranges it. And I was like, oh, what would Fredo do in this scene? <laughs> and and he'd be like, well, I've known Tessio all my life, and he's a good guy, and then you get killed. Yeah, and be like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> my dad told me that <laughs> the person yeah. who 
was arranging this meeting. Oh, my God. <laughs> Instead, Michael's just, he goes along with it. Like, okay, you're the guy. Sonny might have just killed him right there, you know? <laughs> I just punched him. Yeah. Right in front of everyone at the funeral. That fight, Sonny and uh, Carlo, that, that's kind of oh, yeah. rough looking back at. I mean, yeah. some of it, some of it works, but uh, they probably should have cut out some of uh, the stuff, you know, like we're... coordinated it a little bit better. Yeah, Sonny's punching air a couple times. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely a pre-Matrix, pre-John Wick kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's kind of almost like an, an old Hollywood trope with you see those fights and they're just kind of like two guys and they're just kind of wailing at each other there's no like rhyme or reason to it and then like it's just like ah well the fans will they'll be fine because like it doesn't really matter it's just like when you see it with eyes of having seen big really well choreographed uh fight scenes you're like ooh, yeah yeah that's that doesn't really work does it yeah definitely not my uh I like how uh, Vito would always say, what is this nonsense? <laughs> like, <laughs> he says it a couple times. I think the first time is when he, at the wedding, when he hears uh, all the the girls going crazy over Johnny, uh, yeah. the singer. And then the other yeah. time, uh, when someone sends him flowers, <laughs> he just sees... Oh, he just, like, sends them away. Yeah, he just sees flowers at the door. He's just... What is this nonsense? <laughs> Get it out of here. Uh, Brando was obviously the only person who could, could really have played that, especially at the time, and really have had a lasting impact by playing the role. You know, like, no actor back then, or even since, honestly, probably could have done that role the way he did it. And then to think that he was doing it with cue cards, I mean, that that's even a talent in itself, I mean. Yeah. The fact that, I mean, you could say that, oh, he didn't memorize his lines, whatever, but to just, like, see the lines <laughs> right there. Right. Like, on cue cards and make it sound that convincing, that's pretty impressive. I think with, with Brando, at that point, he was such, like, a well-trained savant in a way that like you could see his lines one or two times get the gist and just know how to make it work like he could take anything and make it work nothing would ever surprise him um so it didn't really matter he didn't have to be like this super serious like i'm gonna do all this this really big actor stuff he's just like i'm just gonna sit here and do the lines and that's what you're gonna get and it's gonna be great and deal with it um, and for guys like Pacino and Khan to be around and Duvall to be around, that's, that's got to be... Pacino was a no one. Like, he was doing some... He was doing one-act plays from his apartment, you know? Like, he wasn't Pacino back then. The studio didn't want him. They had to... Coppola had to beg to get Pacino into this movie. Really? Yeah, because I, I, don't, I don't know of any movie that Pacino did before that. He had done, like, a... Like one feature before that, and he was in like he was in New York doing plays and stuff. But uh, I think they had a they had a audition um, 
I had to audition Pacino something like six times. Oh. And uh, there's a story of, of Coppola with the, with the studio, and they were like, we can't use Pacino. We, we're just not going to do it. And Coppola, like, flung himself out of the chair and started, like, having, like, a literal temper tantrum. And he's like, you're killing me. Like, if you don't let me make this movie the way I need to make it, then you're, you might as well just kill me right now. Like, really dramatic stuff. Also, um, De Niro uh, auditioned for Sonny a couple times. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's there's footage online of them doing um, test screening with with De Niro, and uh, it's the part it's the part in the movie where Sonny goes up to Michael and he's like, "You got to shoot him in the face, like look close up, bada bing." You know, he does that, and uh, they show James Conn, and James Conn is already in Sonny mode, whereas. Uh, De Niro is a bit more, a bit more grounded, a bit more De Niro-y about it. That that worked out. We get to see De Niro in, uh, in the next movie. Yeah, that that was that that's pure uh, again perfect casting. But that that worked out for for both movies in a great way. Definitely. Anything else you want to say about the first movie? If no one's seen it, I don't know what you're doing. Go out and watch it. <laughs> Yeah, don't be like me. Don't don't wait for no. a special occasion. Just just make it a special occasion today and and yeah. watch it, especially very, during very, these times. Yes, just and watch it all the way through. I mean, people might think three hours is too long, but not for this movie. It goes by quick. Just. Just watch it, it through. It's, it's fantastic. So good. So good. Still holds up. Greg, well, we'll talk soon. We'll uh we'll do uh the Godfather too.